0: Because of website outages, advocates are calling for an extension to open enrollment. Hospitals will get paid back for site-neutral payment cuts. And we dive into the details of the new Medicare direct contracting model. It's all coming up on this episode of Just Healthcare Daily. It's Monday, December 16th, and I'm Alex Olgan with Just Healthcare Daily, where you get the headlines in health business and policy news in under 10 minutes. Multiple presidential candidates, former Obama administration officials, and current Congress members are calling for an extension to open enrollment after multiple website outages to healthcare.gov. The open enrollment period for people in 38 states to choose an insurance plan on the website started November 1st and ran through Sunday, December 15th. But there have been multiple reported outages on the first day and last day of open enrollment. As of December 7th, 3.9 million people had signed up for plans on the federal marketplace, a 6% drop from that time last year. In previous years, there was a surge of people trying to sign up at the last minute. Democratic Senators Bob Casey from Pennsylvania and Ron Wyden from Oregon, Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts, Vice President Joe Biden, and others have called for the administration to extend the deadline to allow people who had trouble enrolling to sign up for coverage. Hospitals will get paid back for cuts the government made to off-campus hospital clinics. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services said last week it would pay these clinics the money a federal judge ruled they were owed. In September, that federal judge ruled CMS exceeded its authority by cutting reimbursements to these hospital clinics to match independent clinics as part of the so-called site-neutral payment policy. That change is estimated to cost hospitals $380 million this year. Despite the decision to pay hospitals back, the agency is still appealing the court ruling, and it has announced moving forward with a site neutral payment policy in 2020. Now it's time for our weekly deep dive. The Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation has unveiled a new alternative payment model called direct contracting. It encourages more providers to take risk and is part of the agency's efforts to test models to help redesign primary care to make people healthier. Kristen McGovern with healthcare consulting firm Sirona Strategies has been following the details of the new demonstration to start in 2021 and go through 2025. She says this direct contracting model has a lot more options and tracks than previous Medicare shared savings programs. There are more risk options. Providers can take partial or global risk. There's a specific design for complex patients. And McGovern says there are tracks for more experienced accountable care organizations who have already participated in these Medicare demonstration programs. As well as attract for providers who are new to taking risk.
2: They are really trying to um, add some flexibilities into the model so that it does attract, you know, it's not just. Entities that were participating in Medicare Shared Savings Program and maybe want to take on more risk or next-gen ACOs who want to transition. I mean, they're really trying to attract new types of organizations to the fee-for-service program. There are physician groups that are interested. There are hospitals that are interested. There are um, maybe some non-traditional groups that are interested. Um, so you can imagine that there are a slew of different organizations and companies that have been innovating in Medicare Advantage, through different services and products and technology and that kind of thing who may want to partner with traditional providers or who may want to try their hand at entering the fee-for-service market themselves through this program.
0: The program also includes optional extra benefits for patients. CMS detailed a few, including post-discharge home visits, waiving the Medicare rule that requires patients to spend three days in a hospital before going to a skilled nursing facility, and lifting some of the telehealth restrictions. Here's McGovern.
2: This Um, model envisions more uh, testing new and different types of waivers. It also envisions uh, different types of beneficiary enhancements um, made available to beneficiaries covered under the model. So, for example, there's a, um, as envisioned, a chronic disease um, benefit and um, several other beneficiary enhancements that aren't being tested or available through other models.
0: Another difference in the direct contracting model is that providers can play more of an active role in which patients get counted as part of their pool. Instead of relying on claims data to show where patients get most of their care, this model allows patients to choose which provider they want to have a relationship with. And providers can update which patients they're responsible for on a quarterly basis.
2: They are testing, doing it on a more frequent basis, which there are pros and cons. You have to be very uh, diligent about managing who's on your roster and who's off your roster. It can be helpful to an ACO to add patients more frequently because you know, then it more accurately reflects the patients that you're seeing, but you do have to just kind of be aware of the flux and the churn on and off your roster.
0: McGovern says as more risk models come out and more providers participate, overlap is bound to happen, and it's not quite clear at this point how outcomes and savings will be attributed. She gives an example of how this could become a problem.
2: So you you could imagine that a, pro- a patient, um, maybe they got their hip replaced, and the hospital where they got their hip replaced happens to be participating in a bundled payment model. But their primary care, where they get their primary care, that that provider is participating in an ACO. And so, you know, they get their hip replaced and they stay out of the hospital for 90 days. And then there are savings. So I think the question then becomes, how do they attribute the savings? Is that because of the, you know, intensive activity around the hip replacement? Or is it because of that their primary care physician did something else that improved their care, led them to be in a better physical state I think it's hard to parse out where and how the savings and quality outcomes should be attributed, like what really led to the savings reduction or the quality improvement.
0: Another overlap issue that will need to be addressed, says McGovern, is how CMS will handle patient overlap. If a patient is seeing multiple providers in different ACO arrangements, who gets credit for who? Applications for the first stage of the direct contracting model starting in 2021 are due in late February. Coming up this week in healthcare. Friday, December 20th, is the deadline to pass a budget to keep the government open. There were reports late last week that negotiators had reached a tentative deal, but were still working on the details. The Hill is reporting that two Affordable Care Act taxes could be repealed as part of that spending bill. First, the Cadillac tax, the 40% tax on the most generous health plans. A repeal is expected to grow budget deficits by nearly $200 billion over 10 years. Second, the health insurance tax, a yearly tax on insurers to pay for the exchange. It was delayed in 2019, but insurers want to suspend it for 2020 as well. The IRS estimated that tax would be about $15.5 billion in 2020. Thanks for listening to Just Healthcare Daily. I'm Alex Logan. Let us know what you think of the show. Leave us a review or rate us in whichever podcast app you're listening on. And you can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news on JustHealthcare.com.